Hi everyone, this is Straight Talk Real Journeys with your host, Carla Bennett. And I am so excited for this episode. I mean, I am so looking forward to it. This is one of my sisters, my friend, my spiritual partner. I call her family. Her name is Mrs. Tamika McGibbon. And she's going to share a part of her real journey with you. It's a journey that she has never spoken of before, so it's exclusive. So this is an exclusive interview. First time, as we have been friends for so many years, and the first time we're ever talking about this part of her journey. And so I just want you to tune in. I want you to call a friend, and I want you to have them come and listen. I want you to share it with ever and, you know, whatever platform you use, give your comments on how, you know, this episode impacted you. So we'll just dive into it. It's going to be more conversational. This is not um, pre-recorded or anything. This is just a conversation that we're having. So let me start here. Tamika, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Carla. I remember when you did come to me and you said to me, you know, I want us to do an episode together, you know, talking about your journey. And it made me think back to even when when we were going to our prior church and they were yes. talking about giving your testimony. And I was like, I don't have a testimony because I don't have no big, incredible. Right. I was on drugs and the Lord delivered me or whatever else. But still you realize that you have a testimony yes. regardless. Yes. And it took me a while to figure out what part of the journey I meant to, to speak about. And it's a difficult part of my journey yes. that it's not going to be easy for me to talk about, but I am sure it is necessary because at the same time, I know I'm not the only one that experienced it, has exactly. experienced it or is experiencing it. And it will help someone else to heal along the journey as well. Exactly. And I know it's, it is a difficult topic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want you to start from the beginning and share with us how did this part of your journey start? So... The journey that we're going to be talking about is, of course, a journey of not having children mm. and just the the difficulty in not having children and how that has made you feel. You, know, you come from a culture, we're from a culture, Jamaican culture, mm-hmm. where people look down on couples that don't have children. Yes. You know, they will talk about the man, they'll talk about the woman, they'll call the woman like you know like almost like a mule or something yes. like that you know just to be honest in like how oh, you can't have children mm-hmm. so I remember even when um my mom was in the hospital and just this week I was reflecting on the fact that mommy was in the hospital probably about 14 years ago and I remember when she was in the hospital um my stepbrother came and him looking on my husband I like you guys don't have no children yet oh, wow. at this point in time my sisters had had children um you know, Venetia had had her oldest child and she was pregnant at the time um, that mommy was in a hospital and Carrie had had, you know, Samantha had just turned out a year old right before that. And it was like, you don't have no children yet. You're the oldest one who comes and they don't have children. And people look down on you because of that. So let me pause you right here. Let us just make it clear to the viewers. Was it a desire for both of you to have children, even though people were asking you at the time? It was a desire for us to have children. We had not wanted to have children too early because we wanted to have that opportunity to be in our marriage together, all Mm -hmm. of that kind of stuff and get to know each other. And, you know, considering the fact that when we first got married, and that is definitely a whole other episode. Right. But when we first got married, we didn't live together. 
Okay. Because in um, Aaron lived in Jamaica, I lived here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And I remember that when we first got married, I got to spend the first two weeks of our marriage together with him. Mm -hmm. And then I came back to the States. I never saw my husband again for a year. Oh, wow. So newlyweds. Said, newlyweds. Oh my gosh. So, and even with him getting comments from other people telling him, said that not, that's not your wife anymore. She up there in foreign and you down here. That is not your wife, big man. Oh, Forget wow. about her. Wow. It took, I want to say we finally were living together by the time we celebrated our third year of marriage. But we had initially said, no, we don't want to get pregnant too early, this, that, and whatever else. We wanted that opportunity to know each other, to grow together, all of that stuff. But it was a desire for us to have children, most definitely. At this point in time, um, both of our, our siblings, our sets of siblings had had children. His younger sister had children. Um, my sisters had children. So, you know, we wanted to have children at that point in time. But for whatever reason, <laughs> it has never happened. Wow. So even um, and how long have you guys been married? December is going to be eighteen years since we've been married. Wow! So considering that you know we still look young, fresh, and green. I know I can see it. <laughs> uh, you guys can't see her, but I'm looking at her, and they both look young, fresh, and green. We look young, fresh, and green, <laughs> but you know now we're both in our mid to late forties and everything like that, and I can't help thinking that it's becoming too late. Let me just go back and we're going to walk through this journey a little slow. Yes. Because I know that there is a fluster of emotions. Right. It's almost like grief. Mm -hmm. There are different aspects of it that you probably have never really thought too much of. Right. And you're probably telling yourself, just listen to you, just say your statement that you just made that it's probably too late. It's like you look like you're walking into the acceptance mm -hmm. part. But let's talk about from the from the first part of grief, which is denial. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where, how did that work out for you? Like, I'm sure at some point you're saying, every time you check in to say, I, I must be pregnant this month, mm -hmm. how did that work for you? So we got to that whole point, you know, looking at the whole scientific bit of it. Yeah. You know, there was a website called Baby Center, and I'll just shout out to my girls who I met on Baby Center. We've actually still have, I still have a relationship with a lot of these women who we all came on onto Baby Center. They had these different chat forums and everything like that. And for everybody who was trying at a certain month, you all kind of formed a group together. And so I actually have a group of ladies who live throughout the United States who we've still, we're still close to this day. In fact, one of them, she's like saying she's coming to Florida in August and we're like, hey, yeah, we could probably kind of see each other. But a lot of these women who we were trying together have had children and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, their kids are almost teenagers now and everything. But of course, yeah, we got to the whole scientific bit of it where you know, they start telling you, okay, you start looking for these particular signs to show that you're ovulating and you get the ovulation strips so that it can tell you that, yes, you are ready, you know, mm -hmm. and now is the time. And at the same time, when you're looking on it scientifically, you also lose the whole pleasure of what sex is as well, yeah. because then it becomes that this is what the focus is. And even though we know God created sex for us to be able to reproduce, right. but at the same time, of doing the reproduction and the pleasure is supposed to be a part of it. But then my mind was too, was so much more focused on the reproduction part of it. Interesting. And, you know, wanting to have that happen. And 
the disappointment of month after month realizing that you weren't pregnant yet or you probably felt in your body that yes it seems as if something has taken a hold and then you know when the period or you start feeling the cramps or you know everything you realize that you know your period has started just mm -hmm. that disappointment of realizing it didn't happen wow. everything that you have done seems to have failed and you go through that stage month after month month after month and at some point there comes probably frustration yes and what, yes. what was that stage like? The, well, the frustration, I wonder, the frustration came from the fact of saying, God, but you said that, you know, you want us to multiply. You know, mm -hmm. you, you, you called us as, as believers mm -hmm. to procreate, to have children, to populate the earth with other little young believers. Because as a believer, you're going to end up teaching your children how to mm -hmm. believe in God and teaching your children how to serve God and everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, especially because we were so active in church and everything that at time, like, a part of you wants to say, God, you know, this is supposed to be a blessing from you. Pause right there. Because this is very interesting. And, and the reason why I'm asking to pause right there, sometimes as believers... We, you know, we, 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 the word of God says, ask and it shall be given unto right. you. Seek and you shall find. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, but at some point you're saying, God, I, I am, I'm doing everything in ministry. I'm, I'm doing all of this. And this one desire of my heart, yes, you are not giving me. Walk me through that. Ooh, it becomes painful. It does become painful after a while because you're saying, I am doing everything. I'm doing this. I'm encouraging others. I am celebrating with others. I'm doing X, Y, and Z. You have a husband who is, is faithful to the Lord and, and giving him you know, his all and always serving him with 110%. Yet, this has not come forth. It came to a point of where we would have dreams and dreams to the point where mm. it's like you physically feel like you held that child. I remember Aaron waking up one Saturday morning and telling me, Tamika, I saw him. Mm -hmm. I saw him. I was like, I saw who? I saw our baby. I mm. held him in our arms. And it's like him having that dream and feeling like, okay, maybe this is a promise that God has given us that it's going to come to pass. And it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I will honestly say it's to the point where I do not want any prophet, any minister, anybody mm -hmm. coming to me and telling me we're going to have children. Because for so many years, we've heard it and it hasn't come to pass. Wow. I would have where we go to women's retreats. I remember the last women's retreat that we went to and this lady pretty much declaring it to me that we're going to, I'm going to have children and all this kind of stuff and people gathering around me and praying and this and that and whatever else. And yet it's no six, seven years since then, and it still hasn't come to pass. It's, a, it's amazing you say that because it puts me back into the scriptures with Abraham and Sarah. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine the frustration of that weight. Yes, yes. Because, you know, people saying you're going to have a child or even you dream having these dreams, your husband having these dreams, even probably, and sometimes 
not not discounting prophets or prophetess or anyone right. like that, yeah, but sometimes even close friends who want it so badly for you mm-hmm. may have said, you know what, I I just praying and I think I know God is going to do what he's going to do. Right. And maybe some listeners are saying, yes, I've heard that also. Mm-hmm. And I have lost faith because it's been how many years? Right. But let me ask you just this question. What if it's not the traditional way? I think we are okay with okay. it not being the traditional way because honestly, even when I was younger, I had always said that I wanted to adopt Mm -hmm. a child, but that process in and of itself can be tedious. (laughs) Um, It can be a little bit overwhelming also. I mean, we've gone a lot through the process and we've done the whole, you know, having the home study and everything like that. We'd probably have to go back through the process again in order for us to be certified again as a couple to adopt and going through the classes and all that kind of stuff. But you can't help but sit down and think that, okay, it's all well and good that we're going to do the classes, but you have, um, no disrespect, unfit parents out there that aren't doing classes and yet they're having kids, like left, right, and center. And how does that make you feel? Because when you look at someone out there who have children after children, don't even take care of their kids, mm-hmm. and your desire is to have even one yeah. that you know for a fact that your, your, your husband are able to take care of. It makes you bitter in some sense. Okay. I remember, so we have gone the route of having foster children. And that process is heartbreaking as well. And I give all kudos to those foster parents who are able to do it over and over again. And it's fine. But it is tough to have kids come into your home and then leave. Because then you do get attached to these children. Yeah. You do get connected. And even though, yes, through the whole process, they teach you over and over again that it is for the children. It's not for you. And and it's true. It is for the children. You want to make sure that they have a safe and a happy home and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, there is still that toll on you when the kids leave. And sometimes they're leaving to go into situations that aren't the best. Right. I remember after our last set of foster children went to go and live with their with their family. They went to their uncle. Their uncle became their primary, you know, caregiver. Mm-hmm. And their grandmother was gonna be nearby. They were moving to another state. Not long after that, we heard the story of a young child that was missing up in Pasco County. Mm. And the mother had said how somebody came and, and stole her kid from her, or whatever else, and it turned out that she killed the child. Oh, but this no. child was a prior foster child who lived in a home where the people loved him they took care of him they had him from a baby mm-hmm. until he was probably about i want to say he was like two three years old when the yes. court decided that okay the mom was fit enough to have the child back and within months of getting the child back she had killed her own child and i'm sure you hearing this is so heartrending. it is it is because like for instance one the, the set of our foster children that we had their mom had had issues with drugs and there were issues with neglect. She had had four children at that point in time and two of her kids came to be with us. The other two actually went to be with their fathers, but these other two children, they didn't, their father wasn't accepted to say that, that those were his kids. So that's why they were still pretty much in the system. And as I said, eventually they stayed with us for about three months and eventually their uncle was certified and everything. And so they were moved to go and live with them because the whole you know, aim of fostering is for reunification at the end of the day with the family, whether it is with the parents or just with a blood relative right. who's able to take care of them. 
Well, the fact of the matter is she was pregnant again at that point in time. Wow. With knowing that as soon as she had this child, that child was going back into the system because her parental rights were so severed that no matter how many children she had, she was never going to be the one to raise them. And here it is that you and your husband have been trying for many years. Many years, yeah. And still not able to have your own. Yes. It hurts. I know. I, I can only imagine. Yes. I can only imagine. And I'm sure that there are listeners out there that you can totally relate mm -hmm. to what Tamika is talking about today. I wanted to just touch on something. With that hurt and you being a believer, how does it interact with each other? I don't know if I'm saying the right word, but mm -hmm. how do you work through that? Because you're hurting, mm -hmm. but then you are a believer. Right. I mean, at the same, at the end of the day, you still believe in the fact that God is sovereign. He knows yes. exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly why he's doing things mm -hmm. in the way that he does. And as I shared with somebody the other day, I'm like, if we, if Aaron and I had had children, we wonder if we would have touched the lives of the young people around us the way how we, we do right now. Mm -hmm because we could have been all caught up in our kids and mm -hmm. all caught up in everything that they're doing. Yet we're blessed enough to, as much as we don't have um, physical children for ourselves, we have tons of godchildren. Mm -hmm. But then a part of me looks on it and go, well, you know, yeah, it's all well and good that I have my godchildren and everything. But when I get old and need somebody to take care of me, they have their own parents to take care of. Mm -hmm. We don't have children that can take care of us in our old age. And I, I can totally understand that. But if it's not God's will to give you a child now and he has allowed you to use that love mm -hmm. to pour into these children right? or to these, even my own children, because you have poured into my own. Right. So if he has given you that, I'm sure... Mm -hmm. that they too will turn back at you because right. they see you as mother and father in some of them who needs that. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some things I'm sure, and, and, and I'll say this, my, my daughter calls her godmom. Right. And I'm sure there's a lot of things that secret she has for my daughter right now, but we won't discuss it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I, with that being said, because we always love to say, but God. Mm -hmm. And through the hurt, through the pain of not having children, mm -hmm. what encouragement would you give to someone right now that is going through this same pain? Because you can identify with right. that pain. Right. What encouragement to let them know that they can walk through that fire knowing that God is still in control because you say he's sovereign he's yeah he's very much sovereign he is still very much in control i would say you take the opportunity to pour into as as you know carla mentioned earlier to pour into young lives still because you can still sow a seed in the lives of so many of our young people around you wow. there's still young people that need that guidance that even though they do have mother and father they still don't have that guidance that they need you have that, you know, you may have a little something that you can pour into them and say, hey, listen, let's do these steps in your life so that you can get from A to B and live a more successful life or this or that or whatever. So I still say pour into the young people around you, love on them, 
like you can, because that's one thing that we're doing. No matter what, we're loving on the young people that we have around yes. us. I know that so many, and everybody in our church will say that Aaron fathers, every one of them, oh, no yes. matter how old they are, you could be 60, <laughs> my husband fathering you. Well, listen, you know, you have this song called Father Abraham. Yes. Well, at our church, it's Father Aaron. Yes. <laughs> I'm telling you, he fathers everybody. Yes. And he's always pouring into somebody. Last night, we had um, praise and worship, and one of our other godchildren was there. He's now our drummer. We're so excited for him. Mm -hmm. And he had gotten his hair cut, and Aaron is like telling him, no, man, put your head up. You look so handsome, this, that, and whatever else. And such encouragement. Such encouragement. Stop yes. looking no way I look up on the floor. <laughs> look up, you know, that sort of a thing. And as harsh as I think sometimes he sounds, everybody always responds to him. Everybody loves on him. And as I said, there are so many lives that we have touched. I pray that the kids that we have fostered for whichever period of time we fostered them for, we had one foster child for about a week or two. Mm -hmm. And it, oh, she was so heartbreaking um, because she wanted to be adopted so badly. And I'm hoping and praying that her prior foster parents, because I know the prior foster parent was already looking into adopting her anyway. Um, I'm praying that she was able to be placed with them. Mm -hmm. And then of course, the other ones that we had, we pray that we have given little nuggets into each of their lives mm -hmm. that, you know, as they get older, it will stay with them and they will grow with it. So I pray that they're all doing well. Yes. Um, but yes, we would definitely want to still seek other avenues to have children and, and everything like that. You know, adopting, as I said, adopting is something that is near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. I would love to do that because we know that there are a lot of children out there that need loving homes, loving parents, loving families. Even in the foster care system, a lot of teenagers yes. are aging out and they do not have families to go back to. Wow. They age out. They get to 18 years old and it's pretty much, okay, you're on your own. Yeah. You know, they don't have the life skills. And, and there are agencies, and I, I encourage you guys, if you're able to work with some of these agencies that are out there that are helping these young people mm -hmm. to give them the life skills that they, they need. Yes. There's some agencies, for instance, that teach them how to balance a checkbook, mm -hmm. that teach them how to do their budgets, all of these things. Because many times when they get to 18 years old and they don't have a family to go back to, they may go off to college. Mm -hmm. They may go out off to other things. Yes. But if they don't have the guidance, they will end up going to prison. They'll end up being trafficked. Mm -hmm. They'll end up being taken advantage of. Yes. You know, some of these kids, you know, if they are some of the lucky few that end up going off to college, they go off to college. But then when it comes to the holidays, they don't have any family to go back home wow. to. Yes. So you think about Thanksgiving comes up. And most of our young people who go off to college and they're able to go home for Thanksgiving, some of these kids don't have, don't have Thanksgiving to go yes. home to. They don't have Christmas to go home to. That's you know, they have a lot of these things happening. So there are teenagers that are in the system that they may come off really kind of cool to you. And, and, actually, and I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm ministering to myself yes. in the sense of knowing that I could definitely go back in and trying to adopt a teenager from the foster system so that they have a family at the end of the day. Wow. Um, because remember, you have people like Simone Biles, and thank God she was adopted by family at the yes. end of the day, but she was a foster child. Yes. And I'm sure everybody has heard little snippets of her story mm -hmm. to say that there were times that she went hungry before she was adopted. Yes. And look at where she's at now, the platform that she was at because she was able to find a family that was encouraging Thanks. to her that helped her to grow, helped her to get to the place where she is today. So 
I encourage you guys to work with some of these families because it's heartbreaking to hear a child say that they want a family and their family's out there and they won't be able to have one because many times and think about the fact that if you feel as if they're giving you this attitude and they're giving you this harshness and they may want to be cussing at you or whatever else, because of the pain mm -hmm. and because of the fact that they've been disappointed so many times that they have been probably put in families and these families have mistreated them and then have discarded them. So after a while, you grow this exterior to be tough because, listen, I'm not going to be hurt like that anymore. Wow. And we really need to think about that. And there are so many Christian homes that we can, if we even took one foster child, it would be, it, it would make a difference. Wow. I, I am speechless, actually, <laughs> because this is such a, a call. Yeah. that we need to pay attention to. Yeah. You know, some of us will say that we're lonely or we don't have anybody, but there are avenues for us to look into. Yes. And this is a profound avenue of their children out there that needs us mm -hmm. before they get to 18, yes. before they're put out there, yes. that we can probably show them a little bit about life skills. Yes. Give yes. them the word of God. Yes. Show them love. Yes. Be used as vessels yes. to take them through. Yes. And in doing so, we would have accomplished mm -hmm. our purposes. Yes. Tamika, I am blown away by this interview. Yes. We started out to talk about your pain and your hurt, but then you left such a word of encouragement for others. I couldn't end this episode, however, without asking you, because I know your husband is not here to speak for himself. Right. But how do you think it may have impacted you? Because I know some of our listeners may have a partner right there mm -hmm. that they probably have never asked. Yes. It's very true. Because I think when it comes to childlessness, we concentrate a lot more on the woman. Because obviously, you know, we as women, you know, God has made us a nurturer as we mm. want to have a child in our arms. We want to grow them. We want to raise them, this, that, and the other. Many times, let's be honest, most fathers are very hands-off. Yes. So it's like, you know, the mother deal with the child. Mm -hmm. You know, in fact, you will hear stories of even people when they grow up, that even when, you know, their father was in the home, but they really didn't know their dad. Because right. dad goes out to work, he comes back in, he sits down on the couch and really don't interact with the children. Mm -hmm. So many times when it comes to childlessness, we think about just the woman and how it impacts her and how it breaks yes. her heart and all of that kind of stuff. But many times we don't think about the man and how it makes him feel. Yes. And I remember there was one time that... Um, you know, we heard about the fact that, you know, friends of ours were pregnant again. And I shared the news with him and he went really silent. And mm. I remember, I would say, I want to think it was the next day that he finally said to me, like, as much as he was happy for them, it also made him sad because he kept on going, God, what about us? Wow. You know, it, and that was when I started to think, oh my gosh, he carries pain about yes. this as well. And I really think it would be very profound and I'm praying and asking the Lord for whatever he will allow for Aaron to speak on his part mm -hmm. or his feeling about it, because I think it, it would be very important to hear the man's perspective when it comes oh, to this. Oh man, and I would love to powerful. have him with, when that happens. Yes, I think it would be powerful. Sometimes we tend to be one-sided yes. in, in these issues yes. and not realize that it's two people that are 
making this attempt to have yeah. children. And so it should affect both. It should. And so it has affected both. We never hear the right, the right thing. So I just want to tell you thank you, first of all, for all that you have shared with us today. I thank you so much for opening up and sharing this part of your real journey, Mm -hmm. you know, and for listeners, I, you know, don't sit on the nuggets that you have heard on, on this uh, broadcast, this podcast today. I want you to share it because there are others out there that needs to know. Yes. That even with the hurt, there is ways or ways that you can overcome these hurts. Yes. Knowing that God has allowed you to use yourself or be a vessel so he can use you. And actually, I want, before we go, and it, honestly, this is not the direction I ever thought that this was going to I didn't expect to take it either. Yes. Um, <laughs> to even think I talk about foster kids and, and all of that, but I encourage you all, a lot of foster agencies are really nonprofits. Yeah. So you think about through the pandemic, a lot of these agencies were not well supported. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to do fundraisers to raise money and all of that kind of stuff. So see if you can find out from your local foster you know, foster care agencies that you can support. Here in South Florida, um, you have four kids, which is a Christian foster care mm-hmm. agency, but you have so many others. But also I want you, I'm asking you guys to support another nonprofit that's called, I want to remember it's called Together We Can, mm-hmm. which what they try to do. So there is another agency that I want you guys to consider supporting is called Together We Rise. One thing that a lot of people may not realize with foster kids, when they come to your house, they will come with all their possessions in garbage bags. Mm. And that is heartbreaking to see that. Oh, wow. Because if, especially if this is going to be the first time, of course, that they go into the, into the foster care system, um, let's say they're not babies or whatever else, but they're toddlers or whatever else. Once a report has been given and then they send out CPS out there and they check to see what's going on and they're saying there's neglect. They are gathering up these kids' clothes, their toys, their possessions in garbage bags and Mm. taking them out to the home. And then wherever they're processed, you know, whatever else, they are moving around with garbage bags. And that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. Yes. That is how they will come into your home with all their stuff in garbage bags. Together We Rise is an agency that um, is a 501c3. And what they try to do is they put together little care packages for foster kids. It will include a duffel bag. They will get like crayons and stuff like little things that kids will, will use. So they give them the necessary resources. Some necessary resources and everything. They'll give them teddy bear, all of that kind of stuff. Because for a child to go into a foster care system, number one, look on the facts that a child is going into a home that they don't know the people at all. Mm-hmm. They don't know how they're going to be treated. Yes. And so at least this is something that this is their own thing and hopefully can comfort them in such a way to help them to be a little bit more receptive to the home that they go into. But then also they get a duffel bag that now you can put their things in so they don't have to go from home to home wow, with their stuff in garbage bags. Yes. Wow. So if you can, you know, it... You can decide to do it as a community service project with your church, community service projects with your, you know, where your place of work or whatever else to put together these things. Now, you buy the supplies, but then you'll put the supplies together so that it can be shipped out to foster parents and foster kids and whatever else so that these kids don't have to travel around with their stuff in garbage bags. Wow. So please, yes. it's Together We Rise 
rise.org is the website. So you can definitely go and support them and everything like that. But as I said, if you're able to even, if you're able to foster a child, that is wonderful. But if not, also look at seeing how you can support the different agencies. Find a 501c3 that's probably doing something to help to get these teenagers the life skills that they need so that once they age out of the system, they know how to live life. They have guidance and you know all of that. They're taught all of these skills that we are normally taught in our families. Mm-hmm. But because these kids are being shuffled all over the place, they're not necessarily taught those things. Because honestly, you have people that they will open up their homes to foster kids because of the money that they make. Yeah. Because you do Which get a wrong. Stipend. It is wrong. Yeah. You don't get, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you, you don't get enough money to take care of all the kids' needs, but you do get a stipend from the state. Mm-hmm. But don't let that be the reason why you would open do up your door for a passion. Because you have the passion and because you have that love to give to that child. Yes. So that yes. is my little take on it. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Tamika. I was not expecting this interview to veer that way. We were going to talk about your pain. Yes. But, you know, out of that pain, there is joy. Yes. And, and the joy of and purpose. And that is to really pour into. Yes. To others. Yes. And so I just want to encourage all of you, as, as Tamika encouraged you, to even locally, find within your local area, you know, a nonprofit organization that caters to these foster children or that you can contribute to. And if you're able to foster, as she says, go for it. Yes. You know, and help out. And don't do it for the, the stipend. No. Do it because you want to leave an impact yes. on that child. Yes. A positive impact. Amen. So with that, I'm going to close this episode off. Thank you all for listening. And stay tuned again for our next episode of Straight Talk, Real Journey. Love you all.